Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Avoid Crisis podcast. Um, I'm Ray Adeyamo, uh with my co-host Alan Plyler. And uh, based on some listener suggestions, we're going to be digging in and spending uh, the next four episodes on a really important topic uh, for, to avoid crisis, um, aging and end-of-life issues. So today and for the next three episodes after, we're going to be digging into various facets of this. Uh, today we have a guest who's an expert in one of the areas of this field. And um, Alan, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, give a quick hello and then uh, introduce our, our guest for today, please. Sure. Well, good to see you, Ray, and uh, welcome, Kelly Villanueva. And uh, Kelly's with We Care for YOLO, which serves the uh, aging community in uh, the Davis and uh, Winters, California area, maybe even a little bit further than that, has a number of years of experience of caring for elderly, has seen a lot of the issues, and uh, thought it would be really a great thing to have her on as a guest and uh, to have her kind of just walk us through some of her experiences and what she's seen and what she's learned about the whole aging process and taking care of the elderly and maybe get a little bit of a background of what led her into serving this community in this way. So welcome, Kelly, and introducing you to Ray and our audience at Avoid Crisis. Uh, Maybe uh, we can just start with a quick question. Um, You know, how did you get involved in um, caring for the elderly? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, I got involved because my mom uh, was a private caregiver and still is, uh, has been for probably more than 20 years at this point. Um, So actually right out of high school, um, I started helping her with some of her clients and then started with, you know, having my own clients. So worked privately for about 10 years with individuals and then started the agency about six years ago, um, just because my family's been in, um, it's actually Davis that I was born and raised and they, there's just a lot of people asking for referrals. And so that's how I started the agency was just organically from people asking if I could help or if I knew people who could, and I wanted to make sure I had a proper vetting system for, you know, referring people. So that's kind of how I got into it and started the agency. You know, um, one of the things about this is it takes a certain kind of uh, personality, maybe a certain kind of, um, set of characteristics that really care for the elderly. Maybe you can talk a little bit about like what you see as some of those attributes that really are important to have if you're going to be involved in this uh, caring for the elderly. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the biggest ones is just empathy, just understanding um, where these clients are coming from, um, understanding dementia, Alzheimer's, um, maybe some specific needs that they have, um, having uh just patience is a huge one. Um, it can be frustrating. Uh, and kindness, just general compassion. Um, so I think some of those are, those are some of the, the biggest qualities um, that you can have. I think that oftentimes clients can tell if you, if you really do care about the situation or if it's just a paycheck for you. So we generally try very hard, and at least in my agency, to find those individuals that kind of fit that description. You know, um, a lot of people don't think that much about the whole aging process and they don't think so much about elderly care. Maybe you can tell us uh, some examples of what you've seen and then maybe also point out when it's the right time to start thinking about uh, that type of a future. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've seen a lot over the last 15 years. Um, Definitely. I think the biggest thing I've seen is when when you're in the aging process and you're starting to need help, the... um, 
lack of ability to see that you need help and to receive the help that you need is typically what we experience. Nine times out of 10, we are not helping someone as much as a family would hope or um, as much as that individual really needs. I think there's just a general, we have a hard time accepting the reality of our situation um, as, a, as a human race, maybe, or maybe this country, I don't know, but um, it, it's really, really challenging. Um, and so that's you know what I've seen mostly. And that can just be varying degrees of somebody who, you know, everything from maybe they shouldn't be using the stove anymore to maybe you shouldn't be driving anymore. You know, there's all kinds of scenarios and it's, it's just really hard for people to uh, start to lose their independence. And so I try to focus and help people focus on the fact that we're helping them stay in their home, um, which is typically somebody, you know, the wish of the, whoever we're helping and that, you know, the more that we can help them, the longer they can stay there and not, you know, end up in a facility or, somewhere else. I'm sorry, what was the second, you had a second part of your question? Well, I think maybe we can just kind of move to some questions from Ray, because I know that uh, some of the points that you mentioned there is just this whole idea of the individual that needs care, getting to the point of recognizing they need care. And then second, this other part that you brought up, which was really important, is this loss of independence. Because when people begin to lose their independence, whether it be driving, whether it be cooking, whether it being the ability to even bathe themselves, they go through a psychological type of response as well. And uh, I know that's difficult. And I know, Ray, just from some of the things you've told me about your experience, just with um, your elderly parents, that, that you learned a lot in that process. Yeah. And we, I know I have too, as going through yeah. with my, my father as an example. But yeah. Ray, go ahead. Why don't you uh, share a little bit and ask uh, Kelly a few questions. Absolutely. Um, Kelly, it's, I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. When Alan and I were talking about this topic, it was uh, it really hit, did hit close to home. Um, each of my parents have passed away. And as they were getting older and you know sick, um, the kids, we ended up kind of almost moving back into the house at certain points and caring for them very willfully it was it wasn't a burden um at all i mean it, it, but we had the I, I guess the blessing or the luxury to be able to do that i think a lot of families because of geography or because of other work or family you know if you have little kids in the house they talk about the sandwich generation right where you're caring mm -hmm. for young children but also for aging parents um it it gets uh, pretty difficult um in one of the premises of this podcast, Avoid Crisis, is to bring topics to our listeners' attention so that they can analyze information, think about things, they can make decisions, and then they can take actions to avoid a crisis. It, in that context, uh, and varying on the years, right? If, if, it's, if our listener is elderly, they have a certain amount of things they should, things they should be thinking about. But if they're in that in that sandwich of the middle part of the sandwich, they've got other things they should be thinking about. Um, what bits of advice would you give to our listeners in each of those positions? And I have a feeling more of our listeners are going to be in the middle of this sandwich than at the aging end of the sandwich. So um, what, what are some things they should be thinking about and things they need to make decisions about, be planning for, et cetera, on how they would be helping their elderly uh, parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really good thing to start thinking about. And honestly, I, I I'm 35 and I talk to my friends about this and talk to them about 
the process and just like, what do you want your life to look like? So I would say when, you know, when you're well before the point, just having the conversation um, and thinking through both financially, but, you know, where do I plan on being? Um, does my, is my house one story? I mean, those are actually things, you know, when you're purchasing a home, like, what, are you able to age in place? Is that something that you're able to do? So there are things you can think about, you know, well before and plan for um, in that sense. And then, you know, when you're getting to that sandwich generation, uh, really being able to talk through those things with your parents when they're cognitively able, because what happens is we wait till we're to a point where they may have dementia or, you know, some form of dementia, whether that was Alzheimer's or whatever the case may be, um, maybe just uh, any kind of cognitive impairment that makes it so those conversations are really hard to have because they're not grasping the full situation at that point. So trying to get it understanding of what is the plan um, before they're in it. And um, I think that that's just a really important conversation. A lot of it's just talking through what is this going to look like? Um, you know, obviously financially, what, what do we have the ability to do? A lot of people are just so unaware of how much in-home care costs. I mean, they don't, they just don't factor that in when they're looking at retirement or when they're looking at, you know, do we have good insurance? Well, insurance for the most part does not cover what we do. Um, people don't even realize even when you're on hospice, hospice comes in a few times a week and you have the nursing side of things, but the rest of the 23 hours a day, um, you have to figure that out. And so I think a lot of people are just unaware of the cost of things um, when they're planning for it. There is long-term care insurance that you have to get decades before you purchase it. Otherwise it becomes really expensive. And that is the only insurance that will cover what we do. Um, and so just being aware of those things. And then also, I know you guys are going to probably do a whole financial um, segment, but uh, just when you're purchasing insurance, you need to know the the fine print because there are lots of different things to insurance um, that people don't realize about their deductible period and other things that um, they don't necessarily know or take into account. So um, I, I would say as far as planning, yeah, definitely it's talking it through. What do they want that to look like? Do they do they want their kids moving back in? Do they want to move in with their kids? I mean, a lot of people that's that's not necessarily the case. Or is that even possible? Maybe you're you know, you live on the East Coast and your parents on the West Coast. I mean, the situations can obviously have so many varying things. And like you said, do you work full time if you're working? Who's taking care of them while you're working? And there are so many resources that people are unaware of. Um, I'm part of something called the Healthy Aging Alliance. And in that there are more than 100 organizations just in Yolo County that all have different services that they provide that people are just unaware of. Um, and so utilizing the services that you have available in your area and finding out what those are is a huge part of planning, I think, as well. So how would you go about finding out those services? Like what, what would be the, the search that you would put into um, the Internet to try to learn of what are available? Um, I would actually go with there's a, we have a resource in an area called 211. So I, I don't know um, outside of Yolo County if that is uh, available in other areas, but I specifically know for our county, there's 211, which you can call or you can look online and they have a database available of anything that you're looking for. So you can call and say, hey, I need in-home care. You know, what are the agencies in the area? All the way to my elderly parents are stuck at home. You know, how do I get meals on wheels? Um, you know, there's there's just a plethora. I mean, there's even like the library has delivery services, a mail, you know, they can mail your books to you. Just all kinds of services that you're not aware of. Um, yeah, I think it is difficult if you're outside of our area 
knowing even what you need <laughs> is, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. And so it's hard. Um, I think when you are unaware, but, um, I, th I think that if you reach out to an agency like mine an in-home care agency, that they should be aware of resources that are available in your area. Um, social workers are often aware of, um, what's in your area. If you're going through senior centers are often aware. So there's different, um, groups and organizations and community centers, things like that, that will be able to point you in the right direction. Oh, I and think here, that, sorry, one more. Um, the, uh, each area has an agency on aging and they often mm -hmm. have um, those resources available as well. I think it might be interesting to kind of hear a little bit of some of uh, the actual stories because um, I think that everyone's situation is a little bit different there's a number of different scenarios with children taking care of their parents. There's probably even children who don't even get involved with taking care of their elderly parents. Um, and so there's probably a lot of different conversations that you've had with elderly people who probably talk about themselves, probably talk about their children, talk about their expectations, talk about what they've done in life. And what they're facing is they're facing the end of the road. And how do you handle those conversations? And what have some of those conversations been? And what kind of meaning have you taken away from those? Yeah, I mean, as you said, every single situation is different. I think some of the hardest ones are people who just don't have family in the area. Um, I think that those conversations are just tough um, to have. And, you know, whether that looks like we've, we've had people that don't have any children. Uh, we've had people that, you know, like I said, their families on the, the East Coast. Um, so just helping them because we come in and do the home care, but there's all kinds of different emotional support that family might offer or, or different pieces of it. Um, I think that can be really challenging. I think one of the most challenging situations that I currently have is a situation where a daughter is her mother's power of attorney. That's another piece that when it comes to planning, definitely making sure you have your power of attorney set and who that person is going to be. And all of that, those ducks in a row is really important when it comes to planning. So the daughter is the power of attorney for the mother, but the mother got remarried in her late seventies. She has a new husband who is now very ill. You know, this is like five years later and she has no say over what happens with him. They together, you know, they the, the wife had purchased a insurance policy for herself, but he doesn't have one. So she has long-term care, but he doesn't. So now they can't afford 24 seven care, but that's what they need. And so he's like currently in, you know, a skilled nursing facility needing to come home after being in the hospital. And they're trying to figure out what do we do? And the, and she's not, bio, she's not related to this man and he has children who are unwilling to help. So, I mean, the such situations can get, incredibly complicated and, and, and really and just tough. They can just get tough. But I mean, I think my, like I said, my most common conversation is just having to talk through with people like those steps of them being able to stay home and what that looks like. And, you know, having those conversations of, I know that's really uncomfortable for you to have somebody help you bathe, but if you don't bathe, you know, you need, you can't stay home. That's neglect. And we can't allow that. And so just having those, you know, tough conversations in those situations, it's, it's rare to find the person that just accepts. And this is what I talk with my friends about you guys, when we all get to this point, can you just accept, can we just go put our hands up? Okay. We need help. You know um, I think just talking through those conversations, but the other part I didn't talk about when, um, when I was talking about my experience and becoming a caregiver is that I was my great uncle's caregiver for the last five years of his life. So I went through hospice, 
you know, as his caregiver. So I understand the family side of the dynamics too, not only the caregiving side. And, you know, we ended up having to make a decision on whether or not we were going to amputate his leg. And he was almost 90 years old and had very advanced Alzheimer's. And we just didn't feel like putting, he would then have to live in a facility instead of with my grandparents. So he came home on hospice. So there's some really, you know, tough situations and tough calls that you have to make about quality of life. And that, that again, is like, goes back to conversations what what kind of interventions do you want if you get in a situation where you need that help and having those conversations i think is really hard with our loved ones um it feels i think um just it's just tough it's just maybe dark or however we feel about it taboo um but if we don't have those conversations then we're put in the place to make some really tough conversations without you know any information so having those conversations well before you know you're in those situations um, yeah. but I, I think, uh, it's also extremely rewarding to be able to provide care at that point in life. Um, you know, we are with people at their bedsides through their passing. We're also oftentimes supporting a family and just talking through, you know, things with them, like I said, you know, giving resources and things like that. So, you know, we've had all kinds of different situations, um, and then talking about, okay, now maybe you can't stay home anymore and having that conversation with a person of like, here are our choices. And um, I've had a lot of those, you know, conversations of, I, I'm not sure that you're you know, able to stay home anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've had pretty much the gamut of all the different experiences, whether that's kids taking care of people, maybe sometimes it's even like friends or neighbors um, helping out with people and, um you know, the dynamics that can happen in a family when people don't agree on what's going to happen with somebody like sure. one person saying they need to go into skilled nursing. I mean, COVID mm -hmm. made it extremely complicated about what they were going right. to decide, because at points people felt like it was more dangerous to put somebody in a facility than it was to keep them right. home because of COVID. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, the amount of different dynamics and conversations I've I've had, especially over the last like few years with COVID, um, I've pretty much probably seen it all <laughs> it, 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 well, speak, speaking of that i just for our listeners I'm, as a point of information your website again it's we care for yolo.com so that's w-e-c-a-r-e -E, the number four y-o-l-o.com and you got a bunch of information there you go there's a screenshot of your landing page and i noticed under the, some of the services you provide you know personal care some light housekeeping companionship shopping meal prep um medication reminders, transportation, et cetera. Um, you talked earlier about long-term care insurance and some of these other things. We talked, and then you get into that about activities of daily living, right? ADLs, that's mm -hmm. a big demarcation point of what kind of services can kick in or not. Um, what are some of your typical service levels and to give our listeners kind of just a pricing reference now granted it's you know california but it's central california we're not talking about you know downtown san francisco or you know pasadena or something like that right yeah. um it, it's a it's 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 just outside of sacramento um uh what are some different levels of care and then how does that stuff price out yeah so it is individual to the person so we charge 
based off, you know, per shift. So sometimes we have people that want a shorter shift, which can be harder for us to staff. So we uh, are very unusual. Most agencies have a minimum requirement for hours. Uh, we don't because we're small enough and most of our caregivers are local. We are able to do shorter shifts, but we do charge more for those. Um, so our, our prices are usually between 36 to 38 per hour. Um, and that's pretty, I think, standard for our area. Some are closer to 40. Um, and then when you're looking at 24-7 care, sometimes we do, uh, we realize obviously that you're looking at a lot more hours so we can give more of a discounted rate for those hours, but it's it's dependent on the, the circumstances. And then sometimes we're also taking care of two people, which could be, uh, you know, the husband and the wife. So we have a different charge for that as well. Right, right. So eight hours a day, five days a week, you know, 300, eight times 40, 320 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and these situations can go on for years. Right. Right. Well, as kids in hospice, I mean, I don't think people realize that you can go on hospice and you can actually graduate off. So sometimes they think you might, you know, um, they might hospice is very misunderstood (laughs) and and for a lot of people. But um, it's intended to be potentially the last six months of your life, but it might not be. We've had people graduate off, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe to be alone. So they still continue that, you know, 24 seven care. So we have levels of care from companionship, which is like two hours a day where they're coming and doing some light housekeeping and meal preparation um, and companion, you know, companionship all the way up to 24 seven hospice level clients. So it's, I mean, a full range of needs and we call it a care plan. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Alan, I thought that you had a question, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I want to go back to this um, idea that we're talking about as far as avoiding crisis. And I think that where you end up in a crisis is you waited too long to really be thinking about these situations that are going to come and face you at some point in the future. And it's not just your parents. It could be yourself. And as far as that goes, there's no guarantee it can't be your children. Um, how do you start conversations earlier with individuals uh, Kelly how, how can you get people to start thinking about these things and start planning um, for the future for whatever direction it takes I mean I think you just kind of jump in that's how I am you know that's that's how I have those conversations anyway it's just like what you know what's your plan for your future and like you said I, I have another client who they started early uh, early onset Alzheimer's in their late 50s so you're talking well maybe a few decades before most people think they're going to be in that situation. So now again, they're in this financial situation, the husband's thinking they're going to be living this retired life and traveling and it looks entirely different. And, and now his wife can't be left alone, you know? So um, I think just, yeah, exactly that. Ha- just bringing it up with your parents saying, Hey, I know this isn't where we're at right now, but I- I'm sure everyone's aware we're all going to pass at some point. What is this going to look like, you know, for the, that, that, what, what are your wishes? And just having that kind of conversation. I know we actually have a class in uh, Yolo County through Yolo hospice that is designed to talk through all the different things you need to talk through at the end of life. And so I think there's resources available for you to kind of help you go through those different areas that you you know, need to discuss and just sit down and say, Hey, 
I know this may sound weird, but on Thursday night, we need to get together and talk about what the plans are for your guys. What, what is this going to look like for you? And I'll, and then, like I said, talking about that, as you said, you can have cancer, you can have a stroke. You can be, there are things that can be life altering that can happen, you know, tomorrow for anybody. Um, and so having those conversations, you know, with your own family, with your significant other, um, just having the tough conversations and saying, okay, what's our plan and what do we want things to look like? And what happens if X, Y, Z, and just have the conversation. Yeah. And, and I guess in part, just thinking about how many different things can happen to the point of it can happen anytime, anywhere. Um, in my own experience in, in my family, um, everything was seemingly fine um, with my father and uh, there was supposed to be an outpatient surgery. I actually took him into the hospital. He was to be out three days, I mean, three hours later. And uh, it turned into him being in the hospital for 72 days straight, several surgeries in between. Um, it just began the journey that we then were on for quite some time, um, several years, actually. But uh, during that time, I think all of our uh, siblings came together. We all made efforts to try to have him have the greatest uh, quality of life that he could have. And uh, we had a lot of conversations with each other. We didn't always agree. Um, we had different views on what should be the next course of action. But ultimately, I think, um, you know, we were able to really be satisfied with the total journey because we talked a lot and we contributed a lot. I know that you probably don't see that in every family, but um, I, I, maybe you can mention about where you have seen that and how you see that as a, a success. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely, we, so we had a woman that was on hospice for, I think over two years and her kids were great. They were very much, she had a son and a daughter who communicated well with each other, um, who communicated with her. She was very adamant that she wanted to stay home, you know, through hospice and they made sure that that, that that's what happened. And so I definitely have seen families have success, but I think it is a lot like they had that conversation, that tough conversation with her probably 10 years earlier about what that was going to look like and seeing if that was financially feasible. And, and they were able to do that. And not everybody is. So again, looking through like, okay, well, what then what is our plan? Who is able to come stay with them? Are they going to come stay with somebody? And if that happens, I'm sure whoever they stay with is going to want respite. So who's going to pitch in in that case, you know, those conversations of just what is this actually going to look like i feel like i hear a common answer of like oh well when i get old my kids will just take care of me like that's just what the, the expectation right, and right. whether or not that that's a reality can be like you said i mean if this happens you know right now we have somebody on hospice whose daughter just had a baby i mean she's like we have like a three month old so or three week old sorry so you know you just you don't know where you're going to be at life and i, I do understand that we can't necessarily, we don't know what's going to happen and trying to plan for every scenario might be overwhelming, but I think getting a general idea of what the plan is and what that'll look like, um, just, it just helps. It just helps you start to plan at the very least, or even know just the wishes. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times we get to a situation and people are again, making decisions based off no information because they never had that conversation. And now their parent has had a stroke and, maybe they have aphasia and they can't communicate or whatever, you know, the situation is. And now they're trying to figure things out from there. And that's really tough. That's a tough position to be in. So I, I guess you just go through the questions when you're having the conversation, you know, what, who, when, where, how, how much, you know, you got to have all those conversations. And I, I remember before my parents needed care, 
at one point I did ask them about their medications because as they were getting older, they were retired. They were still driving and they could go to the doctor on their own and so on. And they tell me, oh, I had a doctor appointment and this and that. And I said, you know, I just thought about this. I don't even know where you keep your pills. Like where are the medications and what do you take and so on? And can mm -hmm. we write all this down on one piece of paper just so that if something happens and I, I need to jump in and I, I can't talk to you that at least I'll know that. Yeah. And, and that started our conversation years uh, earlier, um, you know, and there's obviously the, we're going to get into the financial and the legal stuff in another episode. There are so many pieces that, uh, that touch this topic. Um, but, um, I think the concept of care of, of independence and care is, is, is where it kind of is where it starts. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be able to do that with dignity and grace not only to uh, receive it and accept it, but also to provide it. It right. re really is a nice foundation to start from, you know, might, might be wishful thinking in some families, but that, that's kind of where you want to start. And if, you can't, right. and, yeah. and if you can't do it with your own parents, you can start with yourself, right? You can go, what am I doing and how open am I to what I'm going to need? And have I had those conversations with people? Um, so I think that that's a great place. And and you brought up something that reminded me that I always also encourage people to communicate, even if it's not a two-way conversation with your parents' doctors, because they might not be able to give you information of what's happening in on that side of things, but doctors are often unaware of what a home situation actually looks like because they're hearing it from a perspective of a person that might not have the best perspective of what's actually happening. So I always encourage families, you know, have you contacted their doctor? You can write them an email. You can contact them. They may not be able to tell you anything, but giving them the information will also help the doctor then maybe start that conversation from their side and start making recommendations from their side based off of the information that they're given. Right. And a lot of these insurance or uh, care provider platforms, they have uh, a user access for a family member. Um, and so even just assigning that, get, plugging someone into that spot so that they do have some whatever limited on, and then you can uh, authorize them to have varying degrees of access, mm -hmm. um, whether it's one directional or two directional, et cetera, as you mentioned. Um, I think today, in the, you know, the modern age of the internet and all that, n being aware of these portals and, and your parents, they may never use a computer, but as, as that sandwich generation that could be a great tool to get you plugged in, but, you know, to this whole process. So just kind of throw that out there to the listeners, find out who their care providers are, what network they're in. Do they have a online portal that they could plug you into? Your parents may not be anywhere aware of it, but they're doctors who are, and they yeah. can help guide you through on how to gain that access. Yeah. And you reminded me of one other thing I want to touch on with that sandwich generation is that I, whether it's the kids and more often it's the significant other. So you often have somebody who's healthier than the, the other person and they end up taking care of them for a long time before my, my, my agency might come in. Um, and one thing, one conversation that I have with people is that I have unfortunately seen the healthier individual pass away before the sick individual, because they literally kill themselves taking care of the other person. So I also have that tough conversation of people with, if you want to be here to enjoy this person, then you have to accept some more help. So you're not killing yourself with stress, with you know, maybe just the physicality of the care. Um, so I always, and then that can also be kids. I feel like sometimes kids take years 
off their own life by trying to do everything for their parent. And I, you know, again, having that conversation of if you want to stay home, if that's the plan, which most of the time it is, then this is what it's going to need to look like. And this is the help you're going to need to accept. And having that conversation with your parents when they're cognitively able to accept that, um, I think it's really important and starting the idea. Like I think it's a great idea to have agencies like ours come in for before they need us to get accustomed to the idea of what does it look like to accept help? Because it's probably been decades since they've had somebody at home at all, you know? So um, I think that that was just another piece that I wanted to, to mention about taking care of yourself. If you're that person caring for someone else, or if you have parents and one parent's taking care of another, be very aware that there, you know, are significant consequences if people are not, getting some kind of respite. Yeah. You know, Kelly, you, you mentioned too before just about um, issues like as in dementia or Alzheimer's, but there's another uh, set of individuals who have great acuity in their mind as they're aging. And how important do you think it is that they feel that they have someone who's an advocate for them and someone who understands the emotions that they're experiencing and also that they understand that there's somebody there um, who really cares about their situation and what they're going through? Oh, I think advocacy is huge. I mean, I, I'm not sure I can put into words how important it is to, to have an advocate and yeah, what that does emotionally for that, that person. Um, but also just providing the best quality of life and the best care available. Because like I said, doc, often things are coming from the doctor recommendations are coming from the doctor and the doctor doesn't have a full picture. So if you don't have somebody there advocating for um, what's really happening, I mean, you can just miss a lot and have totally wrong recommendations from the doctor. And it's not anything that the doctor could have done differently because they're going off the information that they were given. Um, so I think that just having that support and for the family too. I mean, the it's hard on the family and it's hard for the person going through it. And both people having, um, you know, a support system is, it makes a huge difference. I have seen. Well, I've uh, certainly enjoyed our conversation today. I've learned a lot. I think this is a really important topic um, for us to be um, covering and for our listeners to hear and to be thinking about to avoid a crisis, uh, begin planning sooner than you might need to. Think about the issues um, from the perspective of, I don't know the answer, but what if this is the direction it went? How am I going to prepare? Um, so a lot of things to discuss on this. Really appreciate your input today, Kelly. It's been yeah. great to have you as a guest. I'm sure our listeners are enjoying it as well. Uh, any closing thoughts from you, Ray? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we're digging into this topic. Uh, you know, this is just the beginning. We are going to get into some of the financial, legal, um, insurance, uh, tax issues, just briefly on the tax stuff. <laughs> um, but those all those all matter as well, right? But I do think it was important that we started this topic, uh, Alan, on this four-part series with the person in mind because that's the center of everything, right? We talked about independence. We talked about dignity. We talked about respect. And and that starts with these conversations that, you know, Kelly, you told us about that are so important. Um, this is a great way to start on this topic. I'm, I'm really excited to dig all the way through all these episodes. Um, and again, thank you, Kelly, for getting us launched on this one. It was great. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.